Welcome to the Hard Water Fishing Show. Jeff and Jason talk tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. Well, welcome back to the Hardwater Fishing Show. It is Season 6, Episode 5, and it is the second week of November 2022. We do not have ice yet where I live or where Jeff lives. Um, Tonight on the show, we have a fellow by the name of Jay Peterson, and he does a lot of custom ice shack builds. So we're going to talk with him later. Pretty excited about that. Yeah, I saw them in person. They're, They're pretty sweet. I was jealous you got to go to an ice fishing show already. Yeah, there, there's three or four of them. It was like the first I know. one. Yeah, there's there was one up in Clear Lake. You know, it's just weekends are tough. Yeah. Just we're in the tough weekend zone here. Well, and and I would I do enjoy going to them, and I enjoy going to as many as I can. But at some level, many of the things of them are all the same, right? Especially the smaller ones, right? I mean, it's it's yeah. Um, you get to St. Paul, there's kind of like everybody goes to St. Paul, right? Did the one you went to, Jeff, did they have speakers and stuff? Like people, not like music speakers, but like... I think they did have one or two speakers. Yes, I did. I think they did. Because when I went to the local one here a year or so, a couple years ago, it'd be pre-COVID at Hank's Bait in Waterloo, they really had a nice bunch of like um, guest speakers. Okay. And that was probably the best part of the show. Is you could sit down and, and in fact that's the first time I, I met Bro. Okay. Was at that he was at that show, you know, and, and so people you got a chance to chat with him. Um so they had some bio, biologists there, fish biologists there. Um so really good opportunity, especially on the smaller shows, to sometimes interact with, with folks that you might not normally get to have a one to one conversation with. Oh well I'm gonna have to do that because so. I don't think I've ever sat through any I don't think I've done that before. Yeah, you're missing the best. You're missing the best part of the shows. All right, because you can sit there and you can ask questions, Ooh. and you have a lot of things you need to know. Uh, yeah. Like, for example, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I love that. <laughs> Did you see that transition? Oh my gosh! I'm professionals. All professionals. Right. <laughs> I am drinking. We're on the Texas beer tour, right? Yep. And yep, it yep. is Live Oak Heffel Eisen. Hefeweizen? Hefeweizen? It sounds like, it sounds like two words. hey, doctor, I got a case of the Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen. <laughs> Do I need a shot? Or is that the medicine you take? I'm yeah. prescribe you Hefeweizen. Yep. Ooh, here we go. So this this is brewed in, I believe, Austin, Texas. But it doesn't say on here. <laughs> Maybe. But it says... Extraordinary Lager and Ales craft brewed in Austin, Texas since 1997 using traditional beer making methods inspired by old world style beers. What happens when the beers say they're from an era that you remember and that seems like a long time ago? Started in 1997. Yeah. I Well, just why don't you open your beer? <laughs> then we'll talk. <laughs> You know what? I didn't even hear that open, Jeff. Oh, it opened. But I had no noise on my end. Hmm. But none. Is it flat? It's not, but so it's a wheat beer. I don't know, Jay. 
I might have to go get a different beer. Wow. No, you got no. Uh-uh. You drink it. If I had to power through carpet beer, you're drinking that beer. I drank terrible things for the for the sake of the show. You have to continue your Texas tour no matter what. You embarked on this trip. You can't get off the bus. It's a one-stop shop. It's a wheat beer, and I, I forget that I don't like wheat beers. All drink, right. drink your Wheaties. All right. Here's my Wheaties. Here's the Wheaties. All right. What are you drinking, Jay? It, well, I'm, I'm on the same tour I usually am, which is whatever's in my fridge tour today. Okay. Um, because I didn't get a chance to go to the gas station. <laughs> and it's important to mop this stuff up before it gets too too late. I'm I've got a, I found an Oktoberfest lining kugels sitting in my in my fridge. I think from a couple episodes ago I must have forgot about it behind some old goulash or something. So <laughs> I've got it tonight to drink. Did you did you hear that? I did I, I, from a bottle. Good. Even. Yeah, we've got kind of a yeah. It's lining. It's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. I like that. It's certainly not um, exotic like my live oak beer. <laughs> Is there like shavings of live oak in your beer? Maybe that's why it doesn't taste it so good. It could be. I mean, it would taste like it. I don't know. I, it, and this isn't a nod to the quality. This is more of a taste thing, right? Like, it's just not my jam. But just, just so our listeners know, we'll be closely monitoring Jeff's beer consumption to make sure that he does indeed drink that beer. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> All 12 ounces of it. Yeah, good thing it's not a pounder. <laughs> so we want to thank you. We're, we're going to move along. Thanks to all our patrons. Uh, we're going to do a, a new thing. We're going to do a patron spotlight this particular episode. Jeff, do you want to take that away? Since it was your idea, we'll let you do the first Yeah, one. I just wanted to say thanks. We always say thanks to our patrons, but I figured every episode we'll say thank you to a specific patron because it does help us pay the bills, right? And, and that's important. Um, our wives enjoy that we don't spend more money on our hobby. We want to say thanks to Chris C., one of our most loyal patrons. Uh, I liked his handle on, uh, it was actually on Podbean. It had his handle on there, and it said, he summer fishes just to get to hard water fishing. That seemed like inspirational. Yeah, you just got to keep pushing through. Eventually, the water will get hard enough to walk. <laughs> yes. Which also feeds right into our topic tonight. It does. It does. But first, show business. Uh, you can use our Amazon affiliate link if you want to use buy some of the products we talk about. It does give a little bit back to the show. When I say little, I mean very little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not making videos like you see on all over about here's how you can get rich by just working three minutes a day on uh, Facebook. I mean, we would we have to work rich. all the time. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think maybe $5 last year. So I don't know. It's, we're a long ways. Yeah, we're a long but ways. it still helps us. So we appreciate every penny. Yeah, so absolutely. So please, um, we have our gear uh, on the merch. There's a link on our website. You can go to hats and T-shirts and those kinds of things. And you can see us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I released a TikTok last week. And you can find all of our information on hardwatershow.com. We also have a YouTube page where we publish our podcast, just the audio on YouTube, and a few other videos every now and then. And you can email us. The best way to get a hold of us is at hardwatershow at gmail.com. And we will get back to you as soon as we can. And all of these links can actually be found on Linktree if you can't seem to remember all whatever of that is yeah whatever link tree is hey i would like to hear from our listeners on if anybody uses this we got an email from somebody about 
a thing they want us to sign our podcast up for. And I want to know if anybody's ever heard of this and if it's worth our time to do. It is called Pick Cherries. I Huh. It's it's a apparently a social podcasting app where you can listen to the podcast and then select sixty seconds that resonates with you and then share it with friends, family, and other social channels. Interesting. So I yeah, I haven't read all the fine print on that yet, but um, I, I guess I'm just curious if anybody uses it or thinks it's worthwhile. And if it is, we might do it. And if not, we probably won't. All right. Um, but just wanted to get some feedback on that. So if you could help us out with that, that'd be great. And you can just put it on our Facebook or send us an email. Or So we don't have much for current events. We're no facts checks. So that means last week's episode is officially all true officially officially all true i love this yep if you don't fact check us within a week it is now 100 percent true the the period of complaining has passed and and it is 100 percent accurate if we had stone tablets it would be etched in stone tablets it would be now etched it has now been etched it's been etched i love it i like this new <laughs> pattern see what else we could sneak through i know every I, week i suspect some people are busy our head fact checker northwoods dave i think must be too busy yeah, fact checker Dave, I think, is on the second shift now, maybe, for a while. So. Um, Cuts into his podcast time. Yeah. All right. All right, so I, too, I have two gear things, Jason. Even though we haven't um, really got into gear very much, we will have a new gear episode at some point this season, but we just haven't quite got there yet. Maybe the next one. Yeah, maybe. Maybe it's time. Because it, we did cover new ice shacks, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff other than ice shacks. Yeah, that, we were going to keep going, and then we got sidetracked. Yeah, exactly. All right. We'll, we'll talk to the writers and see if they can. <laughs> the writers. <laughs> we have so many departments at Hardwater headquarters. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's hard to keep track of all the departments. <laughs> Which department we'll, are we'll you? Have a depart- we'll have a department head meeting and see if we can get the show back on track. <laughs> department head. We'll loop around to that. We'll circle back around all right. and see what space we're in. <laughs> All right, so I got two little kind of gadgety things. You know, I'm always good for a couple of gadgets at ice shows when I went there. And the first one is the Bobber Buddy. Have you seen these before, Jay? Oh, maybe Bobber Bobber Buddy. So it's a board that it's basically an alert, right? It's a alert for if you're fishing and you catch a fish, it'll like trigger an alarm, basically. Is that like the little flag thing? It's, that it, I bought that I never used? No, nope, not those. I think I gave mine to Oli because I said I'll never use this. Uh, <laughs> I tried to use it and just never You used and I it. bought it because we thought we'd use it, and we never used I it. Know, so. never used it. And every year I buy some things, I'll admit, I buy these things, and I go, that's really cool, and I really don't use them. You know what I never used last, last and I know we're getting off track, yeah, well, but whatever. Yeah. So last year at the, the fishing show, I bought one of them line cutter deals. Yeah. Never used it. I know. Can't find it worthless apologize if you're the one that sells them but i never found any value in it i have one i think i towed it around for a while but i kind of ended up the same thing i used i didn't use it so well the challenge with it was it's no good to cut the tags off yeah that was the challenge yeah that was the thing and i think someone told me only or somebody told me that like i'd already bought it and he's like oh it's no good for cutting the tags off or somebody said that to me and i'm like yeah oh. yeah so you tie you get a good <laughs> clean cut you tie your lure and then there's, you know, always, you have to have a tag end. You have to have a tag yeah, end. Yeah, so you got to trim that tag. And then you're trying to ta- trim your tag end. You can't, can't do it. You can't no, do it. 
because mm-hmm. you need a longer line to be able to push it through. So yeah. All right, so so that's not what we're talking about today. No, we're not talking about the no shark bite. What was it called? No, I don't think shark bites a plumbing thing. <laughs> well, shark. Maybe it's called a shark bite. I don't know. I don't know. It's a line cutter. It's also what happens after you have a lot of jalapenos. <laughs> shark bites. That's a shark bite. Sorry, a shark bite. <laughs> oh, no, a shark bite. Oh no. <laughs> There's no tag end on the shark bite. <laughs> no, none on the shark bite. Oh my hopefully. <laughs> my gosh we've devolved now into a little adolescent humor but what the hell yeah but it's good it's good all right um so anyways what i bought was this bobber buddy so it's a board and you put your line through it and the board's designed to fit across the hole right so it's like a piece of wood like a tip up almost like a piece of wood in the middle there is a contact and you put your line through there and when the line moves then the buzzer goes off what keeps it from freezing up? Nothing. It came with two uh, elastic like bungee cords. It fits on underneath my hole covers in my wheelhouse. So you're supposed to put it there. Even though I have rattle reels, this is like an alert. I'm pulling up a picture of this thing. Okay. You spent that much on it, huh? Uh, no, I got it. There was a show special, so it was a little cheaper. Okay. But it was not. I can't believe Aaron would have let you spend spend that much on it but go on that that's that's within my signing <laughs> my authorized signing amount now she's gonna ask you how much it was it was 35 dollars. Oh, i paid 35 just putting that little oh see you ruined it i was just gonna put that little nugget out there because i know she listens to the show okay so i'm looking at this thing this looks confusing well we're gonna try it out so the bobber sits in the little groove i'm very confused I'll have to see this thing in action. I Just looking at it, I don't understand it. We're going to try it out, and we will see it in action. More to come. Is there a video of this thing? Work? I don't know. I mean, the trouble is, there's a rate at which you catch fish. It's going to be hard to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> More to come on the bobber, buddy. I've purchased it. We don't have ice yet. We'll talk about how it works. There's a video on there. You'll have to you'll have to play the video for somebody. Well, You'll have to put the link to video. They, they, okay, I will link the video, but they can play the video themselves. I'm not going to describe it. But uh, yeah. it, it buzzes when you catch a fish and in the wheelhouse. Then when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're, you hear a rattle reel oh. and you don't know which hole it is, you can hear which hole it is better than a rattle reel. This is a wheelhouse device. This It can be. It can be a fraud okay. but I purchased it for a wheelhouse device. It, Got it. It goes underneath your hole cover. So I would use this at night when I'm sleeping. Right, if I have it rigged up to wake you up, hey, I've got a fish. The picture of the guy has it on top of his wheel, on top of the cover. I, the one I bought is shorter. Oh, okay. They made, it's a new model that's shorter, so it fits in the circumference of the wheel, the hole. Got it. Okay, well, report back. So I like this kind of stuff because you know. So then the second thing I bought was. And I don't even know how to describe this. I will put a picture of it. It is so new. The guy I bought it from said it's marginally a prototype. So he had just gotten them from the factory like two days before the ice show. Okay. He also makes art. He asked me, he goes to a lot of ice tournaments and makes like art, like metal art, like that you'd hang in an ice shack or something. But this was his next idea. 
but it's to keep your ice hole from freezing uh, when it's cold outside. So if you have a tip up outside, you you know they freeze over, right? I mean, we've all well. Been that's there. something we we've, we've always worked on. Yeah. So yeah, tell me more about this thing. It is a flexible piece of rubber that would go around your house. It's cylindrical, and you stuff a couple hand warmers in it, and so the Basically, the plastic keeps the hand warmer from getting wet, and the heat gets transferred into the water to keep the hole open. You people listening can't see my face, but it's one of skepticism. <laughs> I, I'll call this Jason's not sold. So <laughs> that's yeah. You can't see my face, but it's it's it was out there, right? It's something different. So we're gonna try mm-hmm. it this year. He gave me a couple hand warmers with it. I will put a picture. It's it's. I mean, a piece of plastic that you put hand warmers in that keeps the hole open. I mean, that's basically what it is. Okay. So I will put a picture and we won't be trying this until it gets cold, right? I mean, even early well, ice, it's cold typically yeah. in early ice, but not like... Not going to freeze the hole. Yeah, that's usually January or February, right? You're, yeah. you're getting into that cold. So so those are the yeah. two um, larks as far as... Gizmo gadgets. Yeah, they're they're definitely on the gadget side. We're not talking about um, mainstream things that you use for ice fishing. But. Yeah. So the other topic we're going to talk about today um, is ice safety. Uh, we've we've done we've covered this before in a previous episode. Uh, we'll figure out whatever episode that was. But um, <laughs> we've we've learned a lot since then. I think, and we've talked a lot more about ice safety to different people, and and had more conversations over the years of the show. So. Um, the, the topic, the, this topic is a nod to my uncle Ron, who, who asked me to cover this actually on our show for an episode because he, Ron is a member of the St. Louis County, I think it is rescue team. And so they do a number of rescues, um, all year long, but also ice rescues and stuff in the winter. And so he's very focused on this as a topic, which if you do that kind of work, I would certainly understand that. And so ice has not yet formed, so it's a good time to think about what your safety plan is, and then we've got a few things to talk about with that, right, Jeff? For sure, and and I know you know I've talked to Ron a little bit about this too, and he's described it, and it's not just ice rescue; he does ice rescues a lot on like Lake Superior. Yeah, I mean their their team does. They they cover St. Louis County is a huge county, sure, and and so they cover all sorts of scenarios, and and Lake Superior would be within their within their purview, and I know they coordinate with the Coast Guard. I believe he'll fact check me if I'm wrong. Otherwise, it'll he has a week. I'll, I'll maybe let him know we talked about him on the show, and he's got a week to to contest anything we say. I've seen an evolution in my uncle over the years as he's worked started working with the rescue about how cautious he is with things. Sure, you know you, you take stuff for granted, and then when you start learning kind of all the ways that nature comes back to kick your butt when you didn't expect it, that that you should start you know, making sure you're, you're prepared. And, and I would never tell people not to go out and enjoy things, but, but certainly um, I know myself, I'm not always prepared as I should be. So some, someday that might come back and get me, but hopefully, hopefully I, I continue to follow my own advice at times. Well, and, and I think of two things when I think of ice safety and Ron, because we've fished with Ron quite a bit or some mm-hmm. anyways, often, you know, we're on big water when we fish with Ron. Yep. Two things I noticed that he usually has. One is always a rope. Should always have a long length of rope with you. I would add to that, um, based on an experience with a conversation um, I had with a, a fellow I work with, where, um, you know, with when ice rescue, 
So you might have a rope, but you have to have the ability to throw this rope. Oh, yeah. Maybe 50 feet. And so just having a rope doesn't get you there. So really, uh, you know, a rope, a throw bag is best. Okay. And, and, and to maybe even try it sometime, you know, so you kind of have a sense of, of, um, of how that works. Uh, now, we were kind of talking about this topic, weren't we, Jeff, with Jay Peterson yep. in, in our interview with him. And, and he mentioned that he has a rope. He keeps in his meal is his side by side with a, a a buoy a fender on it right a boat fender because it floats so then I mean you can really throw that thing and then he mentioned something about like a hose attached to it so a person can loop it around themselves and and I, I think that's that's a a good thing too but but thinking about okay I have a rope but how far can I throw this rope yep. because. I, in preparation for this episode, I was watching a few, you know, like water rescues and ice rescues and stuff. And man, there's a lot of times you got to throw that rope 20 yards, 30 yards to, to safely to get to somebody. And how many, how, how are you going to do that? Probably when somebody goes through the ice, the first thing isn't, let's make sure we get good video. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, sometimes pr- people do that. <laughs> better they're not. The video that we were watching, you they kept on throwing the rope and I'm like, what are they doing? Like, I couldn't even tell what they were doing. So I'm like, why do they, is there, I couldn't tell actually if there was a person in the water, which there was, I just saw these, a bunch of people standing next to this hole where a pickup truck was sinking or had a side by side. Oh yeah. I couldn't even tell with a cab on it. Some, Some kind of vehicle was in the water. But they kept on throwing this rope. I'm like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden, like somebody came out of there and it took them like 10 times to get that rope over to them. I apologize for anybody I ever have to throw something at because <laughs> I'm not very good at that generally. And, you know, adrenaline, yeah. um, you're in winter gear. You might be at the edge of something, you know, ice so you, you don't have good footing. So you think about all those, those factors into trying to throw something targeted, maybe in the wind. You know, it's yeah. not always calm, dead calm. So you need to have a, a proper throw bag, I think. I think a rope probably doesn't go far enough. A proper throw bag is probably, if you really want to be super prepared, you should have a, a throw bag in your gear. For sure. And it, oftentimes it's not about you. It, You know, usually yeah. your rescue gear doesn't, you know, other than ice picks and a float suit, any rescue gear you carry typically is going to assist somebody else. I just think it's important to have because what a terrible feeling if you're in a situation and you don't have what you need to help somebody and you just kind of watch it happen. So I think you talked about the next I think, important thing is ice picks. Yeah, and I'm guilty of this too. Not not having them all year, right? Like I tend to, like early ice, man, I've got them. Yep. And, and they're at the ready. And then when I get to about, you know, a foot of ice, I, I probably, I don't have them at the ready anymore. They're usually right. buried in my bag. But, you know, you can go through on a, on a, uh, pressure ridge or a spring mm-hmm. yep. that video you watched you know that was there was plenty of ice that was yeah. a spring yeah there's a spring there and people went through and those things are dirt cheap oh yeah i mean i i don't know if i'd buy the argument that you can't afford one right they're they're less than ten dollars i mean the ice picks yeah yeah they're nothing and you can build them if you want Oli built some for us with the wood and the nails and the string. that's what i have i still use i hope they work <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I that would that would kind of be damn it, Oli. <laughs> it is one of those things, though, because like you mentioned about the throw bag and practice. I do think the practice is important because when you're in that situation, you're not going to have time to go, huh? How does this work? Let me pull out the instructions, right? I know, but let me Google this quick. But at the same time, 
I don't see myself jumping in to test them either. Like it seems to volunteer oh, the throw bag, or the throw bag or the ice picks. I don't see myself voluntarily getting in the water. No, I wouldn't probably do that because you might place yourself in a really bad situation. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I watched a, a video of some guys that were like, Hey, it's a slow day. We're going to cut a hole in the ice and see if our float suit works. And they did, and it worked. Well, that's good. I, I'm like, I don't know. It seems like a summer thing. Like, let me test my float suit in June. No, this was the winter. It, I saw them too. So they were not prepared because they did not have ice picks. So they took two stakes from a pop-up hub tent and put it on a rope and put it around their neck, which worked. But you can tell you're not prepared when that's your ice picks. Well, you know, though, you bring up an interesting point just in what you said. So let's say you were in a situation, you didn't have ice picks and your buddy went through and you needed to get them something to try to to get them climb back up on thinner ice. You just actually came up with a, a very good impromptu idea if you need to give them something right. to claw their way back out of the the water with the other thing you mentioned was a float suit right i mean those are pretty new but i mean everybody i've seen use a float suit it floats i've never yeah. i've never seen anybody sink in one in a test like i just have the the coat sure. my bibs aren't float and we had the remember this discussion jeff We're like well if i just have the bibs and i don't have the coat on will i like go upside down <laughs> yeah yeah. So that's, I don't know, I guess we decided maybe you would. No, I, I don't know. I didn't try it, obviously. But the float suit, I was noticing Clam, and other manufacturers may as well, but I just happened across an ad. Whatever reason they think I ice fish, they constantly bombard <laughs> me with ads. But they have kids' float suits. Oh, wow. Okay. Economically is only for certain people, obviously, because kids grow fast. I mean, it is another layer if you got your kids out. Um, and you might as well put them in a float suit. Um, if you got to buy them winter gear anyway, it, I think if you're already purchasing high quality winter gear, it's a good opportunity to, to add that extra layer of protection. I don't think float suits are for everybody though. They can be bulky and heavy and hard to move in. Not all of them. And I think they're getting better, but they're not. Yeah. If you're used to a normal, if you think about a jacket that you would just wear to keep warm, the float suits are are certainly less convenient. I don't know if that's the right word. There, there, there's more bulk involved. Yeah. Um, I think they're getting a lot better. Yes. A lot better. My my coat isn't bad at all okay. as far as mobility. And I think they've done a better job at moving the flotation around in some of the jackets. Um, the newer ones seem a lot better than, than maybe the original versions. But Kind of my point with a comment is either if you don't have the means, because they are not cheap, you can get them on sale at the end of the year, and then they're reasonable. I mean, you know, I think you got mm-hmm. yours at a really good price at the end of the season at Reed's. I did, yeah. Um, like, I think it was less than $100, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like 89 bucks for the coat. You can just bring a life jacket out, and it's kind you of could. it's the same thing. If if you're like, I don't yeah. want to spend $400 on a, on a float suit, but I want to be safe, just bring your life jacket out. It, I mean, it's fine. Especially if you're in unfamiliar territory. Yes. in early ice or yep. you're on a on a unfamiliar lake yep. i mean yep. better better to do that and not run into a problem not everybody's going to go buy a 400 hundred dollar float suit and i think what that flotation does is it gives you the ability to self-rescue much much easier right than than if you're not you don't have anything yeah i mean like i said everybody i've ever seen use them they float i mean they don't they float. Mm-hmm. I mean, they work. Ice cleats. I see ice cleats on here. You know, when we talk about safety, I guess we talk a lot about, and we've been talking about just breaking through the ice, right? 
But there's there's more than just breaking through the ice. I, there's like breaking your leg. A couple of years ago, I I mean, my kids still make fun of me of this because I mean, I had one of those cartoon moments, right? Like where your legs oh, are yeah. about this high, equal to your hips that are your head. Um, I I slipped and hit hard, and you know, having ice cleats and avoiding that injury would have been a good idea. <laughs> You weren't right for a while after that. I slipped. It was on the boat ramp, walking down the boat ramp to get mm-hmm. on the ice. I just, whew, gone, you know? Sure. This was, I had my wheelhouse and the kids were pretty young. And so like I'm pulling the generator out and I mean, it's all I can do to pick this thing up. You know, wheelhouses are some work, but when you hurt your back, it's real work. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. Yeah. So, and those are pretty cheap. I mean, you can buy the really cheap ones, the rubber ones for what, $10, $15, the nice ones for maybe 30 You know, we talk about ice and falling through, and there's talks about depths, and I love, I love the, I don't know if they're memes, but I love all oh, the new yeah. ice sickness guide. We've all seen the, you know, this much for a person walking, you know, like Minnesota has one that's like four inches for walking, five inches for a snowmobile, eight to 12 for, and this is what the Minnesota says, this is not what I say, I'm just reading the diagram 8 12 for a car and 12 to 15 for a truck obviously it says no ice is ever safe and but then you get into um you need uh for an at at from uh star wars you know you need like maybe 30 inches of ice and for godzilla you might need like 60 inches of ice i don't know (laughs) you know or or a velociraptor or uh (laughs) 100 inches for a generic lizard monster i mean (laughs) People having some fun with it. Oh, 150 centimeters for an airplane. Uh, 100 huh. centimeters for a semi truck. I mean, this is obviously from uh, maybe from a European place. What, what's interesting is the diagrams. If you look at the Minnesota one, it's like in chunks, right? So it says like four inches. And then suddenly it goes to five inches and it's like an exact break, right? Like like the ice would go from four inches to five inches and there's like a line yeah. that it grows that way. But then when you look at the European one, it's like more like ice would be where it has like bumps and kind of gets thicker. Oh, a Yeti. Uh, Yetis need six inches. If you are a okay. mountain Yeti, well, does that mean I need six inches? Uh, hmm. There's so many things I could say there and I'm just going to let it all roll by. All right. Anyways, so I enjoy the ice thickness things, you know, with the at-ats or AT-ATs. I'm not sure which one it is. Star Wars people fact check me on that one. Not going to even venture a guess. Have you watched Star Wars, Jay? Oh, yeah. Okay. So are you in the AT-AT camp or are you in the at-at camp? I don't. I'm not rendering an opinion. Oh. I also call them walkers. Oh, I didn't know what this is. It says, did you know what at-at stands for? All trained arm transport. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because it says it on the picture. You you didn't know that. Come on. All right. right. So ice thickness, know your ice thickness and what you need. The other thing about ice thickness that always remind you of is it does change. Like you mentioned springs, right? And that one, there was ice was plenty thick, but there was a spring. Water flow is not good for ice. Current. We found that out on Lake Superior. Remember how like the ice thickness really, really varied? Oh, yeah, like a lot. It was a lot. I'm in 200 feet of water, and it's nine inches. You're like, sweet. And now it's four inches, and you're like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it does. It does vary. And, and so, you know, that's part of talking. If you're fishing area you're not familiar with, talking to people 
um, talking to other people on the ice. You know, sometimes you go to a bait shop and they'll say, well, there's a spring around here. And they point at a map and you're like, okay. But then you get out on the lake and it's all white and yeah. there's everything looks the same. And you're like, was it this red barn that I got to watch out for? Or that red thing that kind of looks, you know, so don't be afraid to ask people and, and just, just be safe. Uh, snow insulates. It does. Isn't that weird how, do you remember last year we were out in that lake and it was so soup, like the ice was like three inches. So it was yep. great ice. Yep. And it was super hard. And but it was super clear, mm-hmm. right? So you, you look like, is this good? But it was super good. But as soon as there's like a little snow on it, you're like, oh, good, it's ice, and you just walk. <laughs> it snow insulates, so especially in early in early ice. If if you get any sort of snow cover on that fresh ice, just be real. Use a spud bar. Now here's where Dave would come in: a spud bar or a ice chisel, ice chisel yes. to to check your thickness and and you know, work your way out and don't, or if you don't have anything, then drill your way out um, to make sure that, that we are on safe ice. Yeah. I actually thought Dave made that up about using your cordless drill to check the ice depth. And then it was in the Minnesota DNR, how to check ice depth page. Using a cordless drill to check your ice. Yeah. It it was on the list. Try it out. I sometimes think, you know, now that augers have gotten so light, often thought like just a couple inch hole to when you're looking for depth mm-hmm. set a drill in the big hole just and then go yep anymore it doesn't matter no probably not booming i saw this in multiple booming ice is not bad in fact i think often that's making ice correct yeah i've learned that <laughs> i remember the first time i heard ice crack and boom when you're sitting in an ice shack those first years of us ice fishing and you hear that the whole ice shack shakes and you're like holy crap but it's just ice making ice i, I did learn though that Last time I heard ice bubbling, that caused me to move. <laughs> bubbling ice, I think, is bad. So that was when we were in Mille Lacs. I think I told the story before, but we were close to a crack, and that crack started bubbling, and the crack started because the ice was moving around, and we left. That might be time to vacate. Yeah. I'm not saying as an expert, all bubbling ice means time to go, but in that case, in I felt like <laughs> bubbling ice said it was time to go. But bubbling ice is not good ice. Watch out for birds. They can cause thin ice. Oh, yeah. Geese, some stupid, dang, dirty geese. They poop on your lawn and they try to kill you in the winter. Yeah. Because <laughs> they keep, they, they do. It's just insult to injury is what it is. You know, they keep that water open. So if you got, if you see a lot of geese in the winter, you know, they'll, they'll keep those, that thin ice open. They keep just working it and keeping it open. And then weeds too. Yeah. Yep. Reeds. You got to be, yep. be careful around the reeds and the weeds and the stupid geese. I saw a video, there's a compilation on YouTube of people who had gone through the ice, which is a little weird to watch, but I watched it in preparation for ice safety. It was, I felt like it was, you know, in high school when you watched blood on the freeway, when they're like, don't do this because you'll die in your car. And it was like yep. filmed in 1960 or something like that. Yeah. I felt like that same way. I watched a compilation of people going through the ice going, hey, don't be stupid. Right. Somebody drove through a bunch of reeds and went through, right. Probably because the sun heats up the reeds or whatever and makes the ice kind of funky. So bridges too. I mean, I've seen bridges under bridges. Sometimes that's moving water, but bridges are always dicey because usually that's a a flow point. So just, yeah, be super careful around bridges. Anything that can make a current. So points sometimes can make a current depending on how lakes move. Outlets. Between islands. Big time between islands. Anything that's going to be a channel. Other things they talked about don't overdrive your headlights at night. I mean, if you're driving out at night on the ice, really, you better know what you're doing, right? Know where you're going. Stay in, 
And that's, that is one of the advantages of using resort roads is they, they do monitor those things. And, and so you are much safer, I think. Yeah. When, like when I'm up there, I mean, I'll drive at night, but I have a 50 foot road that they've plowed that you're going down. So, you know, I wouldn't at night just go rolling around the lake, right? Like I wouldn't just go driving wherever I felt like I wouldn't say you're safe, but you can have confidence that, that you're as safe as you can be. And your car will not, you cannot jump a pressure ridge <laughs> no. unless you have a proper ramp. So if you want to take the time to build a proper ramp, you could. Yeah. Driving faster, you will not get that car going fast enough in most cases to clear no. two inches of two inches of ice. You're going to take off the front axle and then be sad. Unless you have one of those uh, Sherps, Sherps. Yeah, I mean... With floating tires. Yeah, like crazy vehicles notwithstanding in the current conversation, obviously. Nothing you can buy from your Chevy or Ford or Dodge or Ram or whatever it is, dealership. No, Toyota. Standard vehicles. Share your plans. Hey, I'm going ice fishing. I should be back at 6 o'clock. You don't come back till 10 and it's 10 o'clock and you haven't come back yet. Yeah, at least they know where to find you. You're probably a frozen log by then, (laughs) but at least they know where to start looking. Or or bring a friend. Bring a friend. That's probably your best bet. Bring a friend. And if they're bigger than you, make them walk first. (laughs) Jason, who do you think walks first right now? I'm not sure. Probably me. Probably me. Ooh, I don't know. You can go first. That's fine. I'll let you go first. Well, they said bring a friend, though. Oh, come on. (laughs) Ouch, ouch, I'm hurt. I couldn't hurt. resist. I couldn't resist. I know, I know. You're not a friend, Jason. You're family. <laughs> I know. Now it's a heartwarming show. Go like Boy Scouts. I know when we're at Boy Scouts, they just say, don't be stupid. They, they have many less rules. It's just, don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the trouble trouble is a lot of people, you know, you don't ever start out thinking you're being stupid until it's too late. No. And you're like, oh, that was dumb. That was dumb. Um I think it's just not not being com- complacent yep. and just keeping. Please don't hear us say we should. You should go out and just be nervous all the time because you no. certainly shouldn't. But certainly be just just take the typical per- take precautions. Make sure you have your stuff um, so you can either have a self rescue situation or help help somebody else and and just have a plan generally in your mind about hey if this happened this is how I would handle it. Um, so that when something does happen, you're not going, hmm, I wonder how I should handle it. You at least have some starting point already nettled into your brain about what you're going to do. So this is something I do do, um, even when the ice is really thick. I roll my windows down. Like when I get on do the you? ice, I get a, I hit the ice and I roll my windows down. I mean, not all the way, but like I, I open them. There is a thing with the pressure and, and you know, if you do go down, it might be hard to get your doors open, right, going underwater. So I unlock my doors. I unlock them and I, I roll the windows down somewhat. You know, they have some tools too that you can use. Like people keep a, you know, I don't know, even like a Leatherman or whatever, some kind of multi-tool to break the window if you need to. To break the window. Because um, they said even sometimes if you, you know, they said, oh, you can wait to equalize the pressure, but that doesn't always work. And, you know, your truck can stick in the silt, stick in the salt or the, or the silt, 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 the, the mud in the bottom of the lake. I don't know. It can be hard to get. Well, wouldn't that be a ride? Like you're just waiting to hit the bottom, and and then you keep on. I do, <laughs> that's terrifying. <laughs> well, I know, I know. Keep track of the fish on the way down for sure. <laughs> there, but that one wasn't on my fish finder. Truck of her structure, <laughs> but I mean, how terrifying would that be? Just to go, okay, just 
floating down. I mean, the Minnesota DNR has a specific page for vehicle escape. And you might not end on wheels up. I mean, it might be upside down. Actually, that's more common, they said. You do end up upside down. And you go down front first because that's where your engine is, so it's heavier. Oh, none of this sounds good. Don't do this, folks. This is what we try to avoid. They said check the thermometer, not the calendar. I mean... Yeah, sure. I mean, that seems... Um, there's actually a, a flyer that I thought was really good that kind of summarized it by the Minnesota DNR. And I don't know if it's just because Google's smart and knows I live in Minnesota that it picks up all the DNR stuff from Minnesota, but it seems like... Probably. I'm sure Google knows where you live. So other Probably states... Know what you had for lunch. Other states may have the same thing. They have this thing called preach, reach, throw, row, don't go. What? That's what it says. So preach, call 911 if you have a cell phone. Shout to the victim to encourage them to fight and survive and reassure them help is on the way. Reach, if you can safely reach them. Use a rope or a ladder. Jumper cables, okay. Not hooked mm-hmm. up, but, you know. <laughs> well, that'll get them going. Jason, <laughs> Oh, we shouldn't laugh about this, but you got to have a little fun. I well, I mean, yeah. Which which one goes on the positive? Which one goes on the negative? Put the left one on my right ear and one on the other ear. Oh my gosh! Give it a shot. Don't run to the edge of the hole. This will likely lead to two victims in the water. That that's the biggest thing is is you know you're you're tempted to get in there I think and and to just you gotta. It says throw from shore, toss one end of the rope. Yep. Okay. And put it around themselves. They might be too cold to grasp it. Uh, mm-hmm. Row. You're supposed to find a boat. Hmm. That might be tough sometimes on the ice if there's a. Oh, don't go. And maybe this is something that Ron would tell us. A non-professional should not go out on the ice to perform a rescue without the means to self-rescue. That includes bringing ice picks, wearing a life jacket, and being securely tied to a rope held by someone who can pull you out. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. That makes sense because otherwise you end up with two victims in the water. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Tie a rope to yourself, tie it off to something, make sure you have some picks, something with you. If you don't have picks, then you have those screws or, I mean, whatever, something. It says, be a survivor. You must fight to survive in cold water. Commit to this action and plan to memory before hitting the ice. Don't panic. The shock of cold water can cause you to inhale water and hyperventilate. Get your breathing under control. I've seen lots of videos where people go through and do this. You're like, you should just kind of hang out for a second. I know your mind won't be thinking this, but like you need to, you won't die in a minute. Get yourself calmed down. A little mm-hmm. bit. You can last longer than you think. I mean, people go swimming in right. water. Uh, it says don't remove your winter clothes. Heavy clothes won't drag you down, but instead can trap air to provide warmth and flotation. This is especially true with a snowmobile suit. Hmm. Turn towards the direction you came from. That's probably the strongest ice. Place your hands and arms on the unbroken surface. Yeah, the biggest thing, you know, that I've read where people make the mistake they make is they try to pull themselves up on the edge of the ice like you get out, you're getting out of a pool. Sure. And what people, what you need to do is you're almost, you're floating. So you imagine yourself floating on water like you used to in your swim lessons or whatever, where you're laying flat. Yes. You want to flatten yourself on that water and then you use those ice picks to pull you out. So, because if you put your elbows down, and you try to pull yourself up on the ice, your legs are going to swing underneath the ice and you're going to flip back into the yep. water. And people will do that over and over again until they exhaust themselves. So you want to flatten your body and then crawl back out on 
you know, onto solid ice and just keep crawling until you're back on solid ice. And this is actually roll. So like it says rolling can help oh, instead of roll? crawling because then your, I like that. your weight is more distributed. Yeah. Because I mean, at the edge of the ice is just a slightly better than where you fell through, right? I mean, you could go through yep. again. So yeah. It seems like really well put together to be it's, honest. It's good. It is good. Yeah. A little tongue in cheek, but it is good. Definitely. Well, what do you think, Jeff? Should we move on to our interview with uh, Mr. Peterson? Yeah, I think we should. I mean, I think we've learned lots of tips. We want everybody to be safe. And now let's Absolutely. talk about something fun, like customizing your ice shack. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. All right. So up next, we have Jay Peterson. Today on the Hardwater Fishing Show, we have Jay Peterson, who I met at the North Metro Ice Show a couple weeks ago. And he had a really cool build with a couple of really interesting ice shacks that I wanted to talk about. So he agreed to come on the show. Jay is a volunteer, a retired volunteer firefighter and a race car driver, which I'm really Sweet. interested. I know I'm also interested in that. I know we want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, currently a tournament bass fisherman. Yeah, boat, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> boat rebuilder. <laughs> that sounds tink- interesting. General tinkerer <laughs> and currently working in an auto parts store. Uh, Jay's favorite food is prime rib. I can get behind that. That sounds good. I make a good prime rib. Yeah. All right. Well, so Jay, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. So how, Jay, tell us about how you got started customizing ice shacks. Well, I've been a, a boat rebuilder, modifier. I I buy a boat. I can't leave it the way it came because I'm smarter than all them boat engineers, so I can make it better. <laughs> but yeah, I just fiddled around with boats my whole life and, and uh, got into ice fishing when I was a young kid and then got away from it and then got back into it a few years ago and got my first shack and this ain't right. I got to change it. So that's how it started. Yeah. I feel like I say that a lot, but I don't always act on mine, but I, I know from what I saw at the show, you certainly do. So you had some really cool stuff. Thank you. So Jay, when I, I met you at the ice show, uh, I noticed you had the free bill build that I really noticed. Can you tell me a little bit more about that build and what inspired it? Well, I built it originally because my dad would go ice fishing with us once in a while and he was getting older and I wanted a way, if something happened to him, I could get him off the ice. So I wanted a flat deck on the top of it. So that's what I built. And then when I flipped it up to get my stuff out, I thought, now there's a good place for all my equipment is to be hanging on the underside of that uh, lid. So that's where it all started. And, and I kind of went out of control from there. There's a video on YouTube because I wasn't lucky like Jeff to get to see it in person. And everything has its place. You you pack a lot of stuff in there. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot, which is cool. It you know sometimes I see builds and it's like, well, it has a space for like four things and they're very neat and tidy. But you have a lot of things in there. Like how many how many things would you estimate you that all have a place in your ice shack? Forty, maybe forty five. <laughs> yeah, I mean that it's, it's you bring all the stuff, which I love. And then it all has a home, which is not how I operate. Yes. Yeah, because the alternative is all that stuff sits in the bottom of your shack. And then you know, you're like, where's my fillet knife? And you're like, I don't know. It's yeah, down there it's somewhere. tangled in, the, in your thermos and a net, which I don't know why I would have a net in my ice shack, but I probably do. <laughs> I thought that one was really cool. I know a couple things that I noticed was... It wasn't really part of the shack, but something you bring out there is you had a bench on like across from you to put like your fish finder and your heater on. It was like one of those small 
for polar portable benches and it kept your stuff off the ice. So I, I thought that was a great idea. Right. It's, it's to make your, those white tables you can buy at Walmart and all over, make it into a picnic table is what this for. It's the bench part of that. And I saw it at Sam's club one time and Hey, I know where to put that. And that's what I got it for. That's cool. And your, your shack is, it's a sidestep one, right? I don't know if that's the right term. Correct. But it's a, a side door yeah. entry shack, which lets you put that bench out front. Right. And yeah, I love that fact. As, as you were designing and coming up a play, with places for these like 45-ish things, what was the hardest thing to find a home for? Me. <laughs> Once I got everything in there, there wasn't much room for me. <laughs> the idea behind it was the pegboard with the elastic in there to hold everything in place. Well, that idea came to me right out of the snap-on truck because that's the way they held your their tools on the side of the boards in, oh. in their truck. And I've had that in the back of my mind for years and, and finally got a use for it. So that's, that's really unique. I really like that. Mm-hmm. It's a good idea. Most of my ideas are stolen. That most people yeah. are, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, mine are too. <laughs> I, I don't go, gosh, it'd be good to put this you know skis on the bottom of a sled i go i saw a youtube video for that (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, well maybe we need to invent i just had you know invent like a ice fishing gear like a snap-on truck it just pulls up to the boat launch and you know you go up and buy all the stuff out of it that'd be a pretty good idea sure (laughs) mobile bait yeah that'd be kind of cool i've seen that in the summer where they go around on on pontoon boats really i've never seen that yeah yeah. So maybe you just need to get a snowmobile or a snow bear, Jason. That's a good business. That'd be a good part of my snow bear business when I, <laughs> when I retire. <laughs> the, the ongoing joke here, Jay, is that, well, I don't think it's a joke. Actually, I'm pretty intent on doing it. When I retire, I'm going to get a snow bear. Do you, have you seen these things? Yes. Yeah. So I'm, that's, that's on my list. Yeah, they're awesome. You mentioned the seats, uh, or I noticed the seats, and you said you have to have some place for you to go, but you have some pretty nice-looking boat seats in that that build. Yeah, they're actually the the center seat out of a bass boat that they put between the driver and the passenger, like the third-person seat, and they're really thick. They're like five inches thick, so very comfortable. You know, I've spent days on uncomfortable ice shack seats, and man, by the end of the day, you can barely stand up. So those ones That means nice. you've been sitting in one place too long, Jeff. Well, you know, sometimes it's time for a good sit. <laughs> All right. So the second build that you had there, which is probably unlike the free ball, a little more, uh, I don't know if exotic is the right word, but you don't see a lot of these. I don't think they even make it anymore, but the Bay Runners. Yes. That, that is no longer made. Chappelle Eagle Claw discontinued, I think, a year or two ago. And they're they're hard to find. Very popular, though. Yeah, they had quite a following. Still do have yeah. quite a following. So how did you approach that build differently? You know, what was the inspiration for that one? Went along the same lines as the the Frable with having everything handy and and within reach. But on this one, I wanted it highly mobile. Okay. So I have the same type of lid system, except it splits and goes half each direction. With everything on there, I made it so all I had to do was shut the heater off, close the doors in the base, and I could travel with it all up and ready to go. So I could move to the next spot, drill a hole, and I'd be fishing in five minutes or less. Nice. Yeah, because that fray build takes a little bit of time to set up. Yeah, that's more than a one-man job there. It's, it's big and heavy. Yeah. What do you tow them with? Usually I take the truck right out and unload it. 
but I do have a, a Kawasaki mule that I've decked out for ice fishing too. Oh, that sounds like something we missed. <laughs> we might need a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took on, put a rack on the back and then I put like a car top luggage carrier on top of that rack. And so I got like three times the space underneath there for, for everything. And I got the auger on the outside and the shovel and, and all kinds of bucket mount and all that on the outside of the rack too. Kind of matches when you're pulling the other shack, they kind of go together then. Right. <laughs> you know, what kind of ice fishing do you do when you're using these shacks? Like describe your style. Uh, mostly uh, with a big shack, I mostly sit in one spot, find a, a brush pile or something and, and pan fish. That's okay. what I normally do. Uh, the little one, we kind of chase them around. That one I've only had maybe three times on the ice now, but it's, it, it's comfortable and it works well for me. The first time you brought it out, you're like, okay, this worked, this worked, this worked. And yep, we need to change that. Is there something that you changed? I, I use uh, golf club bag tubes to okay. store my rods in. And I had them mounted on the inside of one lid. And the problem with that is when I, it was closed, the rods would slide out underneath the other lid and I couldn't open it. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> so I took them off and they were also right behind my shoulders. So I was hitting them all the time. So I, I took them off. That just okay. didn't work. What's your like favorite thing about ice fishing? Uh, it's got to be the guys I go with, you know, just getting out there with the, the friends and, and, and that and just having a good time with them. On your friends that you're out there fishing with, I'm assuming you're the guy that always has the thing that if people need something, it's in your shack somewhere. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, people, I love people like you because I'm not that guy. But I have friends that are those guys, and it is just the best. You're like, it makes packing so much less stressful for me. I'm like, ah, I don't have it. Oli will have it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they give me a bunch of crap about that, but uh, every once in a while they'll, I think our last trip, somebody needed a, some C batteries. And I, well, I've got them. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love them C batteries. <laughs> out of their own holder, probably, the C battery <laughs> holder underneath your seat. Yeah, there was a special box for them. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love it. <laughs> we like hanging out, too, because we always have a good time ice fishing. We want to catch fish, but we don't always, but we always have a good time doing it. Talking about kind of origin story, right? It's very popular and kind of superhero movies and stuff, but kind of what's your origin story from ice fishing? Like when did you start ice fishing? Well, my dad, uh, I was probably five or six and he had a, a shack he built himself and we took it out on Lake Altoona near Eau Claire and three, four times a year is all we did. But as he not only had a hand auger, it didn't have a crank on it. It had a T handle. Oh my. So you'd turn it half a turn and grab it. That was work. Holy wow. cow. Yep. I've never heard of that T-handle. So, so you weren't like just moving. You weren't trolling with it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you drilled one hole and that's where you were the rest of the day. <laughs> a T Jeff, have you ever seen a T-handle one? Never seen one. Huh. I think I've got a picture of it. Ooh, we would love to see this. this Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I'll make a note. A T-handle ice auger. Holy crap. I just saw one here last week. A guy came in the store looking for blades for it. And he took me out and showed it to me in his car. He bought it at a garage sale for a dollar. It's the best. Interesting. Is there a manufacturer on that thing? I wonder. I wonder who, like, it could be a, like a local type. No, I think it was uh, a well-known brand, but it was back okay. in the 60s. Huh. So it was quite that, a while ago. 
Now we think we got it rough if we have to use the gas auger over the electric. It's like, oh, this thing's so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, one of my neighbors that used to take me ice fishing had an ice auger. Most modern ice augers that were power, like gas ones, had two handles on the sides or like some kind of mm-hmm. bar that goes around it. This one like had a handle on top of the recoil and then just a bar that sat out the side. So you'd put one hand on top of the engine and the other hand was just like a bar that stuck out the side and you would drill. Like it wasn't handles on the sides. When it went through the ice, that'd be hard to like get back up. <laughs> you just, just hold on. <laughs> hold on with the handle. Holy cow. So what's your advice for catching panfish? Like how do you approach them? Uh, basically, I like to look for points or brush piles, underwater points near weeds. Uh, the, the more live the weeds are, the better off you are. And then I just use a jig and, and a couple of waxies and away we go. Jeff, when you asked him if, if how you approach him, my, my smart-ass brain said, from the top. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little wet to get on the, on the bottom or the sides. So. From behind. I sneak up on him from behind. <laughs> well, like I meant your approach, your your Ooh. tactics, your tactics. I should use our words and use tactics. Yeah. You talked about being from Wisconsin. And so I'm from Minnesota. Jason's from Iowa. Some of the rules are different, but what's different about fishing in Wisconsin versus like Minnesota or Iowa? Not a whole lot, really. Most of the rules in, that I know between Minnesota and Wisconsin are boating issues. Yep. You got to watch out for that more. Uh, but pretty much the rules are pretty close. Can you use two lines in the winter? Yes. Okay. We can have up to three hooks, they call them. So if you had a, a Rapala with two sets of hooks, that still only counts as one, one hook. But up to three lines. Oh, so you can go three lines. Okay. Yep. I remember reading about that though, because there is some nuance to like three hooks, right? Because there's yeah, it's got to be. Uh, I want to say two hooks or less per lure, if I remember right. That's kind of like those those fly rigs, Jeff, where you could have a yeah. couple of flies on stuff. And mm-hmm. um, we had interviewed a guy from New York, and he made Rogers rigs, and he makes those fly rigs, and those maybe could would fall underneath some of those hook rules. Because in Minnesota in the summer, you can only use one line. And I know in Wisconsin, I believe you can use two lines in the summer also, right? You can use three in the summer too. Oh, three. Yeah, three. I have a question for you, but is, is your wife still listening? Because I don't want to ask no. this question. If she, good. She's over in the other room. How much do you think you spent on your bills? Uh, <laughs> That's why I asked if your a, wife was around. <laughs> not a lot. Well, we've got a deal. As long okay. as it's for fishing, it doesn't matter. <laughs> nice. How do you, Tell oh us more. How do I get this deal? I need well, a deal like this. Uh, there's some disagreement from the other room right now. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I like that was it. even when I was racing. That was it. Didn't matter. It's for the race car. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I wonder if I could get this passed now, or if this was a, a prenuptial type of type of agreement. Yeah. When, when is your book on mar- book of marriage tips come out, Jay? Because I'm interested. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you probably don't want that. <laughs> uh, usually we just ask everybody that comes on to share their favorite ice fishing story or their most you know legendary ice fishing story they have. We'd love it if you could share that with us. It's not really a story on the ice. This is a trip. We took ice fishing and we go to a buddy of mine's cabin, hunting cabin, and we spend two, three days there and we go out to local lakes and go ice fishing. Well, at night we sit around, we talk and we, we have pizza, you know, whatever, and, and just mm-hmm. have a good time, a few cold ones. And 
this particular year, he had brought his son. He was, I don't know, nine years old, maybe 10, something like that. And uh, we're all talking around and got talking about our wives and girlfriends, et cetera. And, and things got a little on the complaining side. And I had mentioned something. And all of a sudden in the background, I hear what I just said being played on a speaker. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> and the young man had a, a, a little device that he was recording everything we said. And I looked at his father and I said, you get that erased or we're all divorced. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But there was about six or eight of us there and we were all talking smack. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. Straight no. down the ice <laughs> hole with that recorder. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't care. Yeah. Gone. Oh, my oh. gosh. That kid, was, he was, he was uh, looking for blackmail material. Yeah, I'm sure he was. <laughs> that's gosh. a great story that's a good one <laughs> just this morning i redesigned my ice sled uh, sitting at work and it was slow and i this guy showed me something he was working on for his truck and i thought you know i could adapt that as an ice sled and, and i went with it and now i've got 10 different drawings on how i want to do things and and it's really going to be pretty decent so is this this is the, the third the, another another one uh Next ice shack. Yeah, this is this would be the the like a smitty sled. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. I make those. I make aluminum ones of those and sell them. And now I'm I'm next generation one. I just came up with today. So I'm hoping to have that done by the weekend. Tell tell us about your smitty sleds. Uh, but it's aluminum. It looks like two paper clips mounted on edge on a on a skis, and then I got crossbars that disconnect and fold up so you got two pieces and they weigh three pounds with the skis oh my gosh yeah people pick them up and they go hole <laughs> you got to be kidding me but yeah they, they work pretty slick and and the the flaw in the design on that one is you have to lift the shack onto it because okay. it stays at 10 inches high this one that i got designed today tips down you don't have to lift anything it's you pull the sled on and why well, I shouldn't have, say you don't lift anything. You, you have to lift the whole system up. Uh, it hinges into place in the upright position, but it's, it's all, it's got gas shocks to assist you and all. So it cool. makes it real easy. I've seen people use those. Um, oh crap. I just lost it. Like furniture uh, lift ones. Is that what you're talking about? Coffee John? table hinges. Coffee table yeah. hinges. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, this is based on that design, but of course I'm making my own because I'm too cheap to buy them. And, and you said you you sell these? Yes. Yeah, I got three orders this morning. And how much do these cost? One thirty nine ninety nine. Okay. For, but they for don't this... come, they don't come with skis because skis are impossible to ship. <sighs> but if you come pick them up, I, I'll put skis on it for you. And and where do you where would you just contact you? How would I get a hold of you if I wanted to get one of these? My email. Okay. That'll work. Okay. Otherwise, uh, Facebook, it's J.W. Peterson. Okay. So your, your new design is going to be the 139 or that's the old design? I actually, I think that one might end up cheaper. Wow. So put me down for one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. Right. I, I've been meaning to buy a damn build a Smitty sled for how long, Jeff? Oh, we talk about it every year. Yes. So here's a guy that makes it. Got it figured out. I'm thinking, I'm thinking I should just pull the trigger. I will uh, put one together and I'll send you pictures. That'd be perfect. That'd okay. be perfect. I, I I don't know why I wouldn't do this. 
I agree. <laughs> I agree, Jay. I'll just wish I had. Yes. The first one I built, I actually put my frable on it and hooked my fish scale to it for weighing fish. And I pulled it and it was 74 pounds to get it moving. Okay. Uh, and that was just out of the sled on the snow. And I put it on the sled, the or the shack in the snow. And then I put the shack on the sled and it took 24 pounds to move it. Wow. So it's one third uh, the effort to move it across the lake. Well, and, and the thing I, the nut I could never crack on the, on the Smitty sleds is just try to make it so it's portable. It collapses down. Mm. And, and so it's easy to throw in the car. Um, yep. But everywhere I, I don't have a machine. So everywhere I go, I yep. walk. And living in Iowa, there's really, you know, Okaboji or Clear Lake is really the only drivable ice in the state. Mm-hmm. Everything else is hand pulled for me. So, sure. Especially on the Mississippi backwaters and stuff. Oh, yeah. And you wouldn't I, want to be out there. <laughs> yeah. I did that this last winter. I want to do it again this winter. But after, I mean, I, this last winter, what I pulled that shack over you know, like a mile. Yeah. <laughs> no. And I don't have a big, big shack, but still, it's like you're kind of kicking it after a while. I go, come on. Why don't you slide easier? <laughs> yeah. We're, I'm far enough north up here that, uh, we pretty much drive on from the end of December through uh, middle of March, end of March. So we're pretty lucky that way. The wife doesn't like it because the car insurance ends at the water line. Yeah. There is that. <laughs> What'd you hit a fish? Is that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> D- did so so this the Smitty sleds, I know I've seen some of them because there's so many builds out there, right? I've seen like so mm-hmm. many different ways of doing them. But sometimes, you know, the thing I liked about what you mentioned was the weight, because I see some of these smitty slap builds and like, first we take a four by four post and then we connect a six by six and you're like, oh my gosh, what are we building here? Right. So, well, that was my whole idea behind is why build something that's heavy to try to make it easier to pull. I mean, it just didn't make sense in my mind. So I had this aluminum and a square tube and I actually bent it in a like a paper clip shape, basically an oval and mounted it to the, the sled or the skis. And it just came out 10 pounds lighter. than I thought it was going to be, yeah. no, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Aluminum is a lot lighter than wood, right? Yes. Yeah. This new one's going to be probably heavier because I'm going to have wood slats on that rather than the aluminum because of the cost of the aluminum right now is uh, it's tripled in the last year it's getting really expensive because last year I was selling those sleds for $89. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So my cost tripled on the aluminum. So I need to buy one now because they're getting more expensive. And it's, it's actually only saving money. More expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it's saving it's saving yeah. <clears throat> my cardiologist would, would approve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a safety issue. Sure. Well, awesome. I'm glad we talked about this. This was a whole nother aspect of stuff. We yeah, he had a whole about. nother thing. He's like, oh, and by the way, I built some initial like, oh, you, wouldn't believe, you wouldn't believe the stuff I built. So what else do you, what else fishing related, ice fishing related do you build? Let's, we'll I've got fishing. like 40 products that I build. Wow. For ice uh, fishing? Yeah. Well, okay. Bass fishing and ice fishing ah. together. Okay. Tell us more um, about the ice fishing ones. Uh, I got an anchor like... <laughs> uh, anchor tool for putting the anchors into the ice for like pop-ups. Yeah. Uh, I can actually, I went against my buddy with his drill and this, and I put 
six in and the time he put four in. Now you got Jeff's attention. Hand-powered. Yeah, hand-powered. Oh, wow. Hand-powered, yeah. And it's that just, intrigues me because, you know, it's nice to not have to rely on a battery or a drill. And this this comes apart so you can put it in your drill also. But the, the secret is most of them you see have a hook on the bottom to hold it in place. Mine doesn't have that. It's got a spring clip inside, and the, the anchor snaps right into it. And you put it in the ice and crank it, pull it up. It stays there. You put the next one in and crank it. And rather than trying to feed it into the, around that, those feet on the bottom of the most of them. We'll have to get a picture of that from you if it's on your web, on your yeah. Facebook website. They're all prototypes right now. I got a sled for next year, a, a shack. I got to buy a donor shack and then modify it. It's this guy I work with. He looked at it, my designs, and he says that's going to change every shack manufacturer. Wow, it's kind of a neat idea, stolen from another industry, and put it in there. And and he's really high on it. Me, I I don't know if I can engineer it enough to make it work. Hopefully have that for next year's show. I'm looking forward to that because, I mean, that makes me want to go to next year's show. And we just had this year's show and I haven't even been ice fishing yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> You guys going to be at the St. Paul show? We are. Yes. Yeah. Do you have a booth we, there? Or? No. We're, okay. We'll just wander. We don't have a budget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go up there every year, usually on that Friday. Okay. We get up there and 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 walk around for a few hours and and get ideas and then go home and build them. Because <laughs> I yeah, hardly buy cool. anything. <laughs> yeah, I I love that show. I mean, I like them all. Like they're great, and um, I like the show that, that we met at because you know they do have some the the customized ice shacks, and that's really where it started. I know the first time I went to that, I think it was actually at Thorn Brothers. Yes. Like outside, I think it was outside. Yep. I sat out in the rain one year all day long. <laughs> Luckily, it was warmer, though. But, yeah, they usually had it a month ahead of that. Actually, the first year I was there and won, uh, we had 41 shacks. Yeah. And one guy had a shack, and then he had a, another shack he pulled behind it that had a generator in it to power his TV and his <laughs> videos. And, and he had, I forget, three or four TVs in there that he hooked to different depth finders and cameras. And I mean, it was quite the deal. And wow. he left mad because he didn't even get an honorable mention. Oh, no. It was it was definitely high tech, but it was so cumbersome in that that the judges just didn't think it was practical. Yeah, Sure. Well, Jay, we really appreciate you spending some time with us and being on the show. I really thought your builds were really cool. So, yeah, thanks for being on the show. You bet. Well, thanks for having me. This has been fun. I want to thank Jay Peterson for being on the show. That's all we have for today. Tight lines. Cheers. Five. You've been listening to the Hard Water Fishing Show with Jeff and Jason. Say goodbye. One of the most unique podcasts on the planet where we talk about tactics, gear, and ice fishing legends. We'll be back soon. Bye-bye. Till then, signing off. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.